0: Alright guys, good to have you here. Those of you that are here in the auditorium, let's go ahead and grab our seat. Those of you that are at home, it's really good to have you with us. You know, I made multiple vain attempts to get my life squared away with God. I was sharing my story with a group of uh, some friends lately, and my bride was with me, and she said, I'd never heard that part of your story before, and I want to give this to you this morning. Before I was truly, what I believe, truly born again, February 11th of 1984, I made some attempts to get my life squared with God. Have any of you ever been that way before, where maybe you were raised in a Christian culture, but you hadn't fully surrendered yet, but you were making some attempts to get that way? I think, Mark Maddich, that's part of your story. Some of you online right now, some of you up on North Shore right now, I know that's part of your story. Here's what I want you to know. It was part of my story. I was raised in this Christian home, so I made some attempts while my life was spiraling out of control to come back to church, do the right thing, sing the right songs, just kind of go through all those motions, but i got to tell you something right now. It was empty, and it was vain, and I didn't have the power to do it, or so I thought. As a matter of fact, I got to thinking that I am so powerless over the grip of alcohol and cocaine on my life that I figured... I had a demon problem. I'd been raised in church enough to know that there was spiritual war. And so I'd heard all the stories. In fact, I'd heard some dramatic stories about demons being cast out of people. So I thought, I must have a demon problem. So I found myself a pastor who was a respected man in the community who had the spiritual gift of helping people get freed from demonic strongholds or what we'd call spiritual warfare. And I called him up to my home, and he sat down with me, and we spent about two hours together, and he was doing these probing questions, and at moments there, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, something's going to happen, something dramatic's going to happen, something, I'm going to speak something out of my mouth, and something crazy's going to happen, it's going to be like the movies here. And nothing happened. Then it came time for him to leave, and he looked at me, and he said, Carl, you don't have a demon problem, you have a Carl problem. that one rocked me but he was right you see I think we blame a lot of things on Satan that aren't Satan at all and for me that came home full circle when Jesus asked me on February 11th of 1984 are you done yet are you really ready to surrender to me and on that day everything changed I prayed a prayer that changed me we're calling this series moving mountains prayers that change everything one of the reasons that we're getting after this this boldly and this unashamed and we're even going to have some time for prayer at the end of this service really prayer is that there are prayers that change everything in scripture that prayer for me changed my life Changed the course of my life. Changed the woman that I would marry. Changed the man that I would be. Changed me. Changed me so much that I'm here today. And let me tell you something funny about that story. Although this man told me you don't have a demon problem, you have a Carl problem. Now I want to tell you, because I am Jesus in Jesus Christ, I have more of a demon problem today than I've ever had in my life. You might say, Carl, what do you mean? I mean we are in more of a spiritual war today than you can possibly imagine. C.S. Lewis said it this way, the enemy will not see you vanish into God's company without an effort to reclaim you. C.S. Lewis wrote widely on the issue of spiritual war. Take him seriously. When you hear a C.S. Lewis quote about spiritual warfare, get serious about it. The enemy will not see you vanish into God's company without an effort to reclaim you. He's famous for having authored the Screwtape Letters, and we know that there's a lot of great works that have been penned for the purpose of helping us understand the reality of spiritual war, but nothing like the passage we're going to look at today on praying to win the war. If you've got a Bible, I want you to open up to Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. And I want to tell you, those of you that are here in the auditorium, or those of you that are online, I want to tell you that you are really in a good place today. No, I I need you to look at me. I want everyone in the auditorium to look at me a second. Everyone here to look at me. I know there's some tired hombres who were up until 2 a.m. partying in in a great way, but I want you to stay locked, locked in with me here today. I want you to hear me, and I want you to know this, and those of you online, I need you to hear my heart. Jesus saw a dozen men so transformed and walking in the Spirit that a world was changed. And I have never been more absolutely confident of something to say than I am right now. You are here for a very important moment this morning. You are here for a very important appointment with God because we're going to talk about spiritual war in a way that I personally have never had a privilege to speak on I really mean that I've studied it I've been a student of some of the greatest spiritual warfare writers out there Mark Bubeck C.S. Lewis Neil Anderson and the like but I want to tell you that today I'm not unleashing some secret for you But we're going to look at the simple, powerful Word of God. And I want to tell you today, many of you are going to walk out of here liberated like you never expected you would have been. Tori and Samantha are here. They were on staff here for a good amount of time, and it's good to see you here. And I believe that Tori and Samantha, God brought you here for this moment. I really believe that. Why? Because we got a demon problem. You might say, Carl, what are we going to talk about here today? I'm talking about praying to win the war. And how we're going to win it is flat out amazing, guys. In Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20, follow along as I read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Let me just, before we continue on, let me just stop right there. Isn't this amazing? We've got a scheming devil we are in a battle, and we are in a battle for our lives, and it is real. This is real, guys. Verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, and having to put on the breastplate of righteousness, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness that is given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, we're going to linger there, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert, with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints, and also, Paul says, for me, that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. I'm going to preach and approach this passage very differently than is commonly taught. Commonly you walk through this and you go through the armor of God. You go through the belt of truth and the breastplate and the helmet of salvation and our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. And then never ever do we leave out the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And it's often said it's our offensive weapon of war, and it is. And those are all really neat, but I gotta tell you right now, the metaphor that Paul is using here is about the Romans that he would have seen in the towns of that time. And he's just grabbing a metaphor to illustrate the incredible war that is around us. Don't try to parse this metaphor. This thing was written as a letter. They sat down, they read it as a letter. They would have taken it as, oh wow, we got to get on the armor of all these spiritual things that have been talked about here, both in the Old Testament and in the New. we got to get those things together and get it on us. Sometimes we look at this and we'll preach a whole message on the breastplate of righteousness. I have no problem with preaching the breastplate of righteousness. The problem is sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. So I want us to back up enough to go, whoa, what are some of the bigger themes that Paul's teaching here so that we can really win this spiritual war? Because oftentimes they're missed. And one of them's a big boy. So the four realities of spiritual war I want to give you, and some of these are going to be really hard-hitting The first is this, we are all in a vicious spiritual war. There is no one in this room, no one online right now who's not in a vicious spiritual war. I want you to be very practical now. And my bride and I, when we spoke for Family Life, used to do this at marriage conferences with thousands of people. We can do it in this little room. We can do this when you're at home in 180 homes, wherever you are. I want you to look to someone next to you. And we're going to practice this because our battle, pulse says, is not against flesh and blood. And I want you to look at someone next to you. You don't even have to know them. And you can look at them and just say these words, you are not my enemy. Do that right now. Now, at marriage conferences, when we would do this, my bride and I would then double back because a lot of people came to that marriage conference kind of in crisis, and we'd have to say, now without clenched teeth, <laughs> say, You are not my enemy. <laughs> Here's what I want you to know we are all in a vicious spiritual war, but our battle's not against flesh and blood. And I want to be real here Satan is scheming constantly to take us down, we can't ignore that. <sighs> Charles Spurgeon said, The trumpet still plays the notes of war. You cannot sit down and put the victory wreath on your head just yet. I added the just yet. You do not have a crown. You still must wear the helmet and carry the sword. You must watch, pray, and fight. Expect your last battle to be the most difficult for the enemy's fiercest charge is reserved for the end of the day. That's what Charles Spurgeon said. The question I really want to deal with because Satan's scheming and a lot of us look at what's going on in the world and we would say, oh yeah, I can see Satan scheming and he's, he's out there and he's scheming and it, it's, it's ugly and Carl, it's really horrible, everything that's going on out there. And I want to answer a question, how is Satan trying to attack us? I think we've got to answer that. Biblically speaking, when we look at the Word of God, how in the world is Satan trying to attack us? Fair enough, guys? And I want you to think about this. No matter where you are today, where is Satan trying to attack us? And I think we focus on all the wrong things. We focus on the world at large. We look at different theories that are being espoused in teaching modules. Ha! Wink, wink, without saying it. We look at all the different things that are dividing us as people with regard to color or class. And we look at all these things we go, "Uh uh-oh, there's a rise of this. There's a rise of that. That's what's, no, no, no. Hear me. Those are the cultural outworkings of a godless people. The real problem is not that. That's the fruit of godlessness. Our division, our social unrest is the fruit of godlessness. I'm convinced of this. That is not the scheming of Satan. The scheming of Satan is more reserved. I get chills right now. According to the scriptures, Satan does not scheme against lost people. He has them. Satan schemes against regenerate people who are born again. His arrows are aimed at us. Anyone that's been transformed by the power of Christ is assured of this. They are in a spiritual war unlike before. When I was lost and asking someone to help me to get the demons out of me, my friend said it to me right. You don't have a demon problem, Carl. You got a Carl problem. But now as a redeemed man of God, I've both got my flesh and I've got demons after me. This is why it's so true. I love my bride. We'll say this to people after she leads them to Jesus. She'll say, now, you need to know something. Things could really get dicey now. (laughs) Because things can really get dicey now. But the question still remains, where is Satan trying to attack us? How is Satan trying to take us down? And I want to be very clear with Scripture Not ethereal thoughts or books about this present darkness which had great truths in that old classic. But the truth is, if Satan is scheming, he wants to, number one, divide our hearts. Remember we saw in James, don't let a double-minded or double-souled man believe that he will receive anything from the Lord. Satan wants to get our mind and our heart double-minded, divided. That's how he schemes. He's putting before us Idols morning noon and night that will distract us he'll put food in front of us He'll put money in front of us. He'll put sex outside of marriage in front of us He'll serve it up on a platter. He'll put things in front of us to divide our heart That's what Satan does The reason we put on the armor is to protect our heart from this kind of an attack Again, we think, "Uh uh-oh, Satan's scheming. It's out there. He's coming at me with all these different worldviews and things. No, he's aiming at the believer's heart. Give us an undivided heart that we may fear your name. Guard your heart. This is the wellspring of life right here. Our heart is so important that it literally directs our words. Our mouth is the overflow of this. If our heart is unguarded, we are going to get smoked by Satan. You don't have to look for some demonic philosophy in the public schools. We don't have to do that. How will Satan try to attack us? Divide our heart. Get us chasing or worshiping other gods. Second thing is to confuse our mind, to get us thinking too much of ourself or too little of who we are in Christ. I think those are the two primary areas of attack, right here and right here. A lot of people talk about demonization in the physical body and how we need to pray against demonic forces so that we can get healing. I think there's some measure of that, but the largest measure of demonic activity is really focused on our heart and on our mind. It's over and over again in Scripture. That's how Satan's going to try to attack us. We are all in a vicious spiritual war, and I need you to know today Satan is after you, morning, noon, and night, scheming to get you derailed, to get you derailed, to get you worshiping some false god, to get your heart just a little bit divided, to get your mind confused, thinking you're all that in a bag of chips, or that you aren't that in Jesus Christ. It's what he does. Second thing I want you to know about the attack of Satan is that we take on demons by taking up the armor. That's how we take on demons. I love watching boxing. I really enjoy watching boxing. I enjoy some of this cage matching even. It can get a little bloody and gruesome at times, but some of this stuff is amazing. And what I really love to watch in these cage matches is when the cocky dudes get their clock cleaned. <laughs> I've seen these guys walk into the ring before, you've seen them before they walk into the ring and they're doing the Muhammad Ali thing. You know, here's what I need you to know. I don't care how old or young you are. You need to know this. Only Muhammad Ali can do the Muhammad Ali thing. And they try to do the Muhammad Ali thing and the Muhammad Ali thing is, uh, it's rope and dope and he could put his hands down to his side and he could stand back and let Foreman and Frazier punch at him and he'd just laugh at them. But only Muhammad can do that. Only Ali could do that. But I love watching these guys come in and they get their hands up and then they'll put them down. Or they get exhausted and they put them down. I need you to hear me. The greatest way for a boxer to get beat in the ring is to let their guard down, always. The minute the hands come down, everything's susceptible. And I need you to know this. Our greatest problem is not that sin is rising up in our world. It's that we are letting our spiritual guard down. It does not matter how dark our world becomes. It does not matter how much sin, debauchery, and craziness. It doesn't matter if there are full-on orgies on Michigan Avenue one day. We can still live victorious in Jesus Christ. Yeah. I love what Timothy Chester says. He's a phenomenal evangelical writer from Great Britain. And this is what he says. I'm going to put a bit of a caveat on this because I do believe there are, and he believes this too. You've maybe heard it spoken that there are territorial spirits in the world today. There are. I believe there are. I believe Scripture indicates it. The question is, how do you deal with them? And oftentimes we get very unbiblical in the way we deal with territorial spirits. Are there territorial spirits in the Middle East? In my estimation, there clearly are. Are there territorial spirits here in America? Right here in Chicago? Absolutely there are. But I love what Timothy Chester says. He says, Spiritual warfare is not about naming territorial spirits, claiming the ground, or binding demons. It is all about the gospel. It is to live a gospel life, to preserve gospel unity, and to proclaim gospel truth. It is to do this in the face of a hostile world, a deceptive enemy, and our sinful natures. And it is to pray to a sovereign God for gospel opportunities. Advance comes through godliness, unity, proclamation, And prayer, absolutely. Are there demonic schemes going on in Chicagoland today? Come on. Come on. You can give me a little more robustness than that. Are there demonic schemes going on today? Is Satan scheming against you this morning? No, you're not strong enough. Is Satan scheming against you this morning? He absolutely is. We need to embrace that. This... Christianity that thinks that I'm knowledgeable enough, I've learned enough, I've gone to enough Sunday schools, I've done this, I've done that, I've been long enough in the Lord that I can almost fall asleep to the spiritual war you've already fallen and you don't know it. We take on demons by taking up the armor. Third thing, very important, we take up the armor or we will fall. It's a fact. It's what he said. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Look, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty basic kind of guy, but I can figure this one out. If he says put on the armor so that you can stand, it indicates to me if you don't have the armor on, you are going to fall. Anyone else with me here? This is simple. This is really basic. I, well, Samantha can teach this to the little kiddos in there right now. This is real simple. Get on the armor, kids, or else you're boom. you're going to fall. Many of us have fallen into the hands of Satan. This is hard for me to say, but i got to say it to you. You might say, Carl, what are you trying to freak me out? No, no, hold on. Let's stay biblical. This doesn't mean that you're going to have froth coming out of your mouth tomorrow at high noon and when you respond to your spouse and you're going to have some foreign voice come from your voice box although I have seen that happen. What it does mean, though, is that you give Satan a stronghold and he schemes in a way that he just neutralizes you and makes you just another common dude who will be buried one day with the rest. No real consequence coming out of your life. No real fruit born out of your life. People saying a few nice things at your wake but you leave no wake. Some of you have fallen into the hands of Satan. Not in that you've somehow lost your salvation but clearly as in C.S. Lewis said oh Satan doesn't want to let you draw near to God. He wants to retain you some way, somehow. You don't worship Satan, but he's pulled you away from the worship of God. He has sucked the life out of you, or he has kept you from ever really tasting his promise of abundant life. Incessant worry is characteristic of you, not the peace of God. Little fruit of the Spirit comes out of you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You have to remind yourself that when you come into a group of people, be loving here, walk into your spouse, oh, I've got to be loving here. But The power of the Spirit of God is gone, and now you find yourself struggling like any common man who's never met the power of God to try to be the man or woman of God that you know you could be. Lack of hunger for God's word and prayer, all related to falling. Hate to break it to you. No desire to meet with brothers and sisters, all a matter of falling. More condemnation for lost people than compassion for lost people. This one hurts. This hits close to home. We've fallen. We've fallen. see the churches that are admonished in the book of revelation they had fallen now i need you to hear me the churches in revelation where jesus stood on the outside and was looking in and he said behold i stand at the door and knock they had fallen You can't put another category on it. I'll argue it all day long. They had fallen into the clutches of Satan's power. Could I remind you of what was on my sister's wall when I was a little guy and I thought, huh, years later I go, oh. I walked down there one day and my big sis, five years older than me, had a big banner up around her little basement bedroom. It said, if Satan isn't bothering you, you probably aren't bothering Satan. Some of you are going along good and retirement plans are great. Kids are all right, or maybe they aren't all right. You're all right. Might you have fallen? Fallen? I think there's two ways to fall into Satan's hand. Two ways. And I want this to be a holy moment of you asking yourself if you're in one of these two ways. More fascination with demons than with personal sanctification. That's one. You can fall off the high ridge of utter dependence and the joy of the Lord and the abundant life. You can fall off that high ridge by fascination with demonic activity and cultural Awareness of what's going on out there, but no real focus on what Jesus is doing in here. And I think another way to fall into the hands of Satan is more reliance on self than in self-denial. We've missed a big spiritual discipline in the church. Guys, I need you to hear my heart. We've missed it. We've fallen into the hands of Satan so much that what we've tried to do is brush up or kind of shine up a a very man-centered, man-energized, kind of a generated from our own strength and bootstraps Christianity than having testimonies of this is what the Lord is revealing to me today. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life today. I'm talking with the Lord, and this is what He's revealing to me today. I, I read the Giants of Faith. I read a, a, a letter from Oswald Sanders that I'm going to read to you an excerpt of. I, I imagine he struggled with titling this incredible writing that he did. He just titled it Holy Spirit Unlimited. <laughs> of that title, Holy Spirit Unlimited. How awesome is that? And as I read through this article, I'm like, I came down and I talked to my bride and I said, babe, we have so, so fallen into Satan's hand as the church. I'm, I'll sign us up. I get it. If I could spend the rest of my Christian life Denying self, embracing genuine humility, and hearing God's voice, I'd be pumped like you can't believe. A lot of people have errantly said that the final piece of the armor is this oh yeah yeah pray in the spirit pray without ceasing that's the final no 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 that's not what it is i don't care if it's a.t robertson or wiest i don't care if it's gill i don't care who the commentator is i need you to know something i've done a deep dive on this passage and here's what you need to know What Paul is saying here is that you you get on this armor, but then he's saying this. Don't get fixated on all the pieces of the armor. Pray that the Holy Spirit puts those things on you, that he's appropriating righteousness and gospel and truth and wielding the sword of the Spirit. They say no way is it broken out from. It's an overlay over that whole section and do it all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. So here's my final point, and then we're going to pray after a little bit, but I, I can't have you disconnect yet. I've got to explain what we're going to hit here. We will be powerful when we are prayerful. That's what you've got to get. We will be powerful when we are prayerful. I'm going to make a bold statement here. I think you and yourself can get your armor on all day long. Breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth. I mean, you get everything strapped on. You get that sword of the Spirit, and you're wielding that baby like crazy, and if you don't pray in the Spirit, you will fall. Yep. I'll tackle you. I'll I'll go cage matching with you over that one. We will be powerful when we are prayerful. But this is more than a prayerfulness in our common approach to prayer. Oftentimes we talk too much. Do you hear me? We don't really believe that God has the power to do anything, or if He does, it won't happen to me. Some of you have a prayerlessness because you have a prayer... answeredlessness. your life that can be fixed in a heartbeat we don't pray and often because we don't pray in the power of the Holy Spirit Oswald Sanders said this let me read from Holy Spirit Unlimited I still love that title Holy Spirit Unlimited I mean imagine Oswald would sit there going I got this great article what do I title it Holy Spirit Unlimited sounds like a crazy used car sales place or something Listen to what it says. He quotes actually Stuart Holden, and he says, here is the secret of prevailing prayer. To pray under a direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit, whose petitions for us and through us are always according to the divine purpose. See, the problem is when we don't pray according to the Holy Spirit, we can often pray a fleshly purpose. How many prayers are prayed that God's going, pooh, that's a lousy prayer? (laughs) And hence, certain of answer, Praying in the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit is but cooperating with the will of God and such prayer is always victorious. How many Christians there are who cannot pray and who seek by effort, resolve, joining prayer circles, etc. to cultivate in themselves a holy act of intercession and all to no purpose, Here for them and for all is the only secret of a real prayer life. Be filled with the Spirit who is the Spirit of grace and supplication. I've got two metaphors for you that I think will drive this home. Commercial fishing in Bristol Bay. I think I shared this one time before one, one, one evening, we were in Ugashik Bay. We had a, a, a deck full of salmon. We needed to make market. It's called making market. you got to sell your product quick before it starts to spoil or else you've got spoiled fish and it's worth nothing. So either that load back there is worth like $30,000 or it's worth nothing. My captain, I go into the wheelhouse. I go, how are we doing, Cap? He goes, I cannot find the ship. So what are we going to do? He goes, I, I can't. I can't, I can't even find the radio frequency, and he's clicking through them pretty quick. Whoop, boom. He hits down the microphone on the VHF radio, which stands for very high frequency. He clicks down, and he says, this is the GNM. Is this our ship? And he says, this is our ship. I want you to stay really focused here. Hang on, David. Just give me a second. My captain, Marvin, says, uh, we're lost in the fog. we got to make market with these fish. Where do we go? Shh, let loose of the mic. Captain speaks back from the big ship. These are the coordinates. These are the Loran Sea intersection marks. Be careful, there's a big gravel spit it's low tide it's a little bit dangerous getting in here but we're here we navigated around my captain called back we're near that spit what's the loran coordinates on that spit we want to get around that we have just got six feet of water underneath our keel captain calls back from the other ship says if you hit this coordinate here you should be able to get around it we got around it Bust through the fog, see the huge lights of this ship coming down, pull up on the port side, deliver the fish. Amazing. Some of you are in the spiritual fog, and you know what we do in prayer? We talk to God, talk, 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 and we never let go of the mic and listen to what in the world God is saying, and we wonder why we can't find God or deliver the fish or produce fruit in our life. We need more silence in prayer circles. Another illustration to give you is my wife and I love triple washed lettuce. I'm on a big lettuce kick. Triple wash lettuce is awesome. You get it at Costco in the big thick bins. It's great. Problem is you don't eat that stuff right away. That triple wash lettuce starts to go south. I'm different than my wife. I see a little bit of lettuce going south in the lettuce, and I'm like, that whole thing's out of here. And she told me one day, what are you doing? You're throwing out everything. You need to be glad God doesn't deal with you the way I deal with week-old triple wash lettuce. You know how God deals with you? The way God, the way my bride deals with triple wash lettuce. I kid you not, my bride, she's so cool, she opens it up, lays it out on napkins, and she goes through there and she finds those ones that are going south and she pulls those things out. And then she finds the ones that are really good and she puts those in a bowl and she gets the bad ones separated out and the good ones over here and she's sorting through it and I'm like, Wow, and she goes, you ready for a salad? I go, yeah, I am. When we pray in the Spirit, we don't pray from here. We pray from here. And it's like we need to say to God, God, my heart is like triple-washed lettuce that's a week old. And I want you to sort through The stuff that needs to go, the stuff that needs to change. My insecurities when I'm just a sniveling victim, when I'm prideful. Takes time, yeah. A few more minutes. I found when I take my heart before the Lord like triple wash lettuce before my bride, he, he finds the spoiling pieces really quick. He's good. He's like, whoop. Sometimes I try to hide some of the spoiling pieces. I'll put the good stuff over it. God always goes, what's, what's that under there? Why are you saying that on air? Oh, well, that's my insecure. Yeah, you don't have to be insecure, Carl. You're totally secure in me, man. I need you to hear me. The longer I walk with God, stumble and get up again, and repeat this over and over, the more I realize we must stop pretending we're doing anything powerful in ourselves. Stop it. Stop this madness. It's freaking crazy. It's American Christianity, and it sucks. Was hoping i'd be strong enough on that point am i clear okay and start denying ourselves why because god wants to kick us when we're down no because when we open up our lives to him and go i'm triple wash lettuce a week old will you do something with me and when we go god w- would you leave me in the way everlasting and go and actually listen Actually, listen! I wrote this yesterday and put it on social media. I didn't know if anyone would understand it then, but you will now. Some people are self-willed and guided by their passions. Others are self-aware and troubled in their spirit. Still others are self-concerned and talk at God. And yet, a few embrace self-denial and find God's comfort as they pray in the spirit. God, make us one of the few. I've pastored a lot of people. I've seen a lot of self-willed people in church chairs, a lot of them. Lost as geese, man. I've seen self-aware people who are troubled in their spirit and don't know how to talk to God if they're picking life dependent on it. And I know self-concerned people who talk at God. And you ready for something? I've been all three of those. I've been all three of those. And the latter two, not too long ago. But I want to be a man, and I hope you do as well. A man or a woman who embraces self-denial and find God's comfort as we pray in the Spirit. got one last thing, and it caps the last three verses that Paul gave us, and it's this statement, pray in the Spirit for yourself, your brothers and sisters, and your elders, pastors, staff. That's what Paul said to do. I, I want to leap to the last part there. I need your prayers, and I don't need you talking at God on my behalf. I need you talking. <coughs> oh, Carl needs that? Right on. <coughs> oh, Jim needs that? <coughs> Our staff needs that. You to bow your heads. Even at home, right now, I want you to bow your heads and your hearts with me. Those of you in this auditorium this morning, I want you to bow your heads and your hearts with me. We are going to pray in the Spirit right now. I want you to understand that Satan's scheming against you and he wants to take you down. I'm asking right now that you would be honest to God. Open your heart to Him like triple wash lettuce and go, come on. My victimhood mentality, my need to name drop, my need to lie my substitute god this crazy addiction i have lay it out there he loves you he loves you he loves you he loves you I want you to have courage right now to pray in the Spirit and ask God to search every part of your heart and every part of your mind. I want you to ask Him right now, would you search my heart, search my mind, where is my heart getting divided and where is my mind getting deceived right now, right now? Ask Him, ask Him and listen. you to move into a movement of prayer where you are praying in the spirit, keeping that keeping that heart open. And I want you to be really brave right now. I want you to go to God with those most secret things that you've got down there. That that stuff want you to appeal to God right now to be the ultimate healer. Thank him for his forgiveness and cleansing. Now I want you to rehearse asking the Spirit of God to put on the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, to stand in the righteousness of Christ, not in your own strength, to put shoes on your feet that are the gospel of peace so that you're ready to spread peace to the world. That you will, in the Spirit, raise up the shield of faith that's total and complete trust in God. Putting on that helmet of salvation, totally confident and impervious to an accusation that you've somehow lost it. And ask the Holy Spirit, to help you wield the sword of the Spirit. I want you to do something bold. I want you to pray right now for someone else in this room or someone who's not in this room who you believe is under an attack and maybe has fallen into the hands of Satan. I want you to pray in the spirit for brothers and sisters who are part of 180, some who are very discouraged and beat up. I want you to pray for your elders, pastors, and staff in the spirit right now. Father, I thank you from the very core of who I am in Jesus Christ. I thank you that we have a demon problem because there was a time when we didn't have a problem at all except ourselves. And I ask you, O Lord, to give us victory over the schemes of satan by the power of your spirit as we put on the armor of god father i mostly pray right now over everyone listening that we would no longer compare ourselves to other christians but we would compare ourselves by the standard of your word Nothing else. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to end this service a little bit differently. you a great hoopla. Just want to tell you now, may the God who saved you, may he sanctify you through and through, not in your strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. May you learn to let God sort through your triple-washed lettuce. And may you rejoice over fruit that's being born of your life and may you never take credit for it because you did nothing. It's to Him who gets the glory. Have a great day. See you next week.